Do you remember what you were doing when you were 15 years old? Probably going to school, going to tuition and playing around. Well, that's not the case with the entrepreneur featuring on the episode today. In this episode, we're in conversation with a multi-talented entrepreneur who learned programming all by himself at age 7, then developed a website at age 8, and had his first startup at age 15, introducing Rohit. He founded Inspira in 2015 and has a lot to share about his experience. So, let's listen to him and learn from his strategies. Uh, welcome, Rohit. Uh, welcome to VC Stories Podcast and congratulations on getting selected for the class 4 of 100 SVCs. So, yeah, uh, let's start on. So, for those who don't know you yet, can you please give a brief introduction about you and what you are doing and what's your startup all about? Sure, definitely. So, as you already mentioned, introduce me as Rohit. Yeah, that is my name, Rohit Nambudri. So, my startup is called Inspira. So, Inspira is basically a live English language learning platform that would let students learn anytime and from anywhere. So in short, uh, maybe you can consider us as Uber for English language learning. Just like how we book a cab who's uh, near to your position gets uh, connected. Similarly, you get connected to an English trainer who's available at that point of time. So that's what basically we do. We would like to give the total flexibility in the hands of our students. All right, thank you so much. Uh, so also idea, idea generation in today's world is tough. Uh, the market is filled with solutions. So how did you get to this idea and how do you valid, uh, validate these ideas? Sure. So the idea actually came to me long back because uh, me, I've worked in a, a couple of companies also before launching my full-fledged startup. So uh, from there, according to my knowledge, talking with HR managers and people, English language learning is something that is very, it's, it's a need of the hour, you could say. It is very important these days. And uh, there was a recent survey also, which I would like to quote, uh, around 72% of HR managers agreed unanimously that they would hire a person with strong soft skills, even if their hard skills are weak, it seems. So that shows the importance of uh, communication in today's world. Uh, I wanted to do something in this field because especially the working professionals in India, that is early and mid-career working professionals, there is this uh, situation that they're facing. As soon as they get their first job, the entire weight of the family falls on their shoulder. So even though uh, along the time, uh, as they progress, they know the demand for this particular soft skill, they're not able to commit a particular fixed time for that because they need to work accord. They need to you know, uh, finish off all the demands that their work asks them and they have to look after the commitments from family also. So there is a big gap that is not getting solved. You look at any courses that is available online, they have to fix a particular schedule or time. They have to dedicate time for that. The only alternative is going for a pre-recorded video course, which you know that doesn't motivate them to complete it. The course completion rate is very less. So I wanted to come up with a solution. So this idea was there in my mind, uh, English language learning, but I didn't know how much it would work. So what I initially did was I tested out with a very few set of audience in a physical location. So instead of going online at that point of time, I wanted to test out the flexibility, how much people are interested to do this. That is, I would let students walk into my office anytime they wanted and have a live interaction with me. That's how I started training. So rather than you know asking them to come at 10 a.m. every day or 2 p.m. every every day, I told them whenever you are free, whenever you get your 45 minutes, you can drive to my office and have a conversation with me and I'll help you out. That was the starting point. So 
I was soon, there was a point in time where we had 120 students walking into my institute with just six trainers. So managing the time, everybody, we had to give individual coaching, individual attention. So it's not like a group that is being trained, one-on-one, absolute one-on-one, 120 people one day with just six people. So it was a nightmare, but it gave me the confidence that, yes, this is going to work out. And then, yeah, it all happened. We went digital, and right now the presence across India and even from Middle East. It was a, it, it was skyrocketing. Uh, that's really recommendable. Like moving on from the office to various countries, that is great. So, at what point uh, in your journey uh, did you launch the MVP of this startup, and when did you realize like it's the right time to launch the uh, launch the startup completely? Sure. So. The development of the MVP because I'm I'm I, maybe in the later on in the in the video I can explain to you my background in the technical aspect as well. However, I do have a little bit of technological background. So, one thing that from my previous experience uh, I understood that there is no right time. Every time, every second is the right time. So you cannot procrastinate that. So until and unless you do it, you won't know whether it would work, right? So until and unless you ask somebody, the answer is always no. So do it right now and then see how it comes. So the MVP was like spur of a moment. Like uh, I wanted to try it out in the digital world, started uh, collecting all the technology stacks, started developing in myself. And with whatever bare minimum skeletal I had, I launched it, that is the MVP. And then I started building the features on top of it with what you have today. And still it's still an MVP, I could say. There are a lot of features that needs to be developed, right? So do it whenever you have, uh, I mean, whenever you feel that time is right, do it. Don't think about it twice. Believe in yourself. That's the only advice they can give you. Okay, that's that's great. Uh, from where this entrepreneurial uh, spirit came into you, and at what point in your life you had come across the word entrepreneurship, uh, and what is your key driving force to become an entrepreneur? Sure. So that uh, this is a, a very good question that I always get asked by many people. Uh, I don't know. Uh, since my childhood. As you can see, I'm kind of like huge in size. So I was like double or triple when I was young. So I didn't have any uh, real friends, to be honest. So computer was my only friend. Uh, I was lucky enough to get hold of a computer very early in my childhood. Like when I was five years old, I, I had my first computer. I was in Dubai at that time. So technology was kind of like progressed there compared to India. So the first Windows 95, uh, the the old, not even a Pentium, I don't know what the was OG. Like. The oldest, yes, the oldest computer system. So started playing games like any other kids, Microsoft Dave and all those things. But uh, at certain point of time, uh, there was this hiccup. I mean, it was particularly for that particular game, Microsoft Dave itself. I couldn't advance a particular level. And my sister was like, hey, what are you doing? You know, shame on you, can't you do it? And I was like, I have to find a solution. And uh, from, a, from a, you know, a, a true point of view, from a legal point of view, I cannot do anything. So what I did was, at that time, internet was there, the dial-up connection, the 56 kbps, you need to wait a lot of time to get connected. It was that kind of era, not even a broadband. It was like a telephone line coming in. So uh, I, Google was there, thankfully, and at that time it was Yahoo, AltaVista search engine. I searched about the background code. I kind of like, in order to just cheat my sister, uh, using programming languages, I advanced my level in the game. So thankfully the source code was also available at that time. So that was my first experience or first entry into the programming world. And I was like seven years old or maybe eight years old at that time, uh, dedicated for computer and program. So you could say that I started programming when I was seven years old. Then uh, that, is, that is not an entrepreneurial start, but that actually kickstarted my career, to be honest. 
that gave me a lot of insight into the computer world, started learning a lot. And I, I'm a person who never learns from a course or a coaching center. I'm a self-taught person. I'd like to learn myself, do it right now, make mistakes, screw up everything, fix it, and then go ahead. That is my attitude. So build everything myself using my hands. So started programming then, developed my first website when I was eight years old in order to uh, show off myself in front of my friends and cousins. Uh, then uh, when I was eight, uh, 10 years old, I became an ethical hacker by breaking into my sister's email ID. Uh, then was into web development as well as security consulting. But the major drawback was my age. Nobody would trust me. You know, how can I go to a client, you know, 12 years old, pitching about web development? So it was a big problem. So I used pseudonyms and other fake profiles to create a brand identity to myself. And that's how I started working as a consultant. So my real entrepreneurship journey started when I was 15 years old. That was right after my 10th standard board exam. I launched my first company, Axel Braun Technologies, with a couple of my friends. So it's a pure web designing agency. Uh, there were two reasons why I started it. One, the main reason was I was like, I told you, I was like very huge in size. So there was zero pocket money coming from my parents. So there was this uh, fantastic bakery close to my home and I wanted to have the sandwich from their place, but no money, right? So I had to earn myself. The other freelancing work, it was not giving me a lot of money because of my age. So I formed this company, started working for clients, made the money mainly to eat sandwich from this bakery. It was so yummy. <laughs> <laughs> that is the main motivation, to be honest. But that set forth, uh, that gave me the first step towards entrepreneurial. That opened my world, uh, opened my eyes, call over whatever you want. Uh, worked for more than 500, 600 clients in a short span of two to three years. That gave me another opportunity to work for a Canadian company as a director of operations in IT. So directly from uh, uh, not even a graduate to a director position. So that was a big jump start for my career. Uh, got to work with clients across the globe, such as Audi, Electrolux, Apollo Hospitals, a lot of big, big companies. That gave me real life, ex you know, practice or uh, experience. That's the right word to use. Uh, and also the confidence on how to manage a team, how to manage a company. What is a real company? Or, you know, my entrepreneurial venture, Axelon, was something that came out of my mind, my ideas, my readings, my surroundings. But being a first generation entrepreneur, there is nobody to guide me. Parents were like, go study, that's all. Don't do work, go study, study, study. That's the only thing they would say. But uh, they were very supportive also when I started my company, they supported me, but their only demand was do not sacrifice or compromise on your studies. Pretty much somehow I managed to do that. Uh, even my graduation, everything was through distance education because passionate about entrepreneurship. Then later on, when the time, I, when I felt it was the right time, uh, started Inspira and that's it. It's going, you know, going on. <laughs> that's, so that's a brief. Uh, that's great. Uh, so according to you, what role does education play in any founder's journey? All right. It is a very tricky question because uh, education does play. And I could also say it is not that important. Also, that is, it's a two-sided sport. Right? It is important on other, one side and it is, I mean, when you're talking about building your own idea, uh, the whatever you learn in engine education system, only a very limited portion is that you're going to apply it practically. So from a from a optical optics point of view, you know if you have a very good shining degree from IIM or you know Harvard or Stanford, it is extremely good for you to progress in your career because you are getting a lot of experience there. The knowledge is incomparable. Uh, the the practical uh, things that you learn is totally different. So you can 
speed up your career growth and speed up your startup growth also to a great extent. But if you're somebody like me who do not have access to that kind of education, but have great ideas in your mind and you are sleepless and restless, you cannot sleep even at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. in the morning, you're still working on an idea. Uh, I would say get a graduation either through distance or maybe a college nearby. Graduation is very important. I mean, nobody would fund your business if you're a 10th standard pass out or 12th standard pass out. So there, there is that kind of notion here. There are exceptions, of course, but the majority case that I'm talking about. So get yourself a graduation in a field that you think that you're going to excel in. So I did my graduation in MBA, BBA and MBA. So because I was into business, though I've got a technology background, I didn't go for engineering because it's a totally different scale for me. So I did my graduation okay. in MBA, MBA business related. And I started. So the value of education is important when it comes to fundraising and scaling your business. If you're talking to a client, if you're not educated enough, they might not hear you out. So there are cases, like I said, when you have a, when you have a brilliant business idea, it, it's all an exception. But in a normal case, normal startup, it does play a, a very significant role. Not the institution's name, but education or a graduation. Okay, uh, got it. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interest view to, uh, interesting view to look at. Uh, you said you don't have any mentor in the early stage of your uh, starting of the journey. So do you have a mentor now? And if so, who are they and how are they helping your business right now? Sure, definitely. So I've got lots and lots of mentors because uh, when you're entering the entrepreneurial journey, when you start a business, basically a startup, you are, yeah, there's a funny quote, you know, you're digging your own grave. That's what people say initially. You know, you are leaving a certain standard of life. Uh, maybe you might be earning 10 rupees a day, but the moment you start a company, you're bringing it down to one rupee a day because you're investing the nine rupee back to your business. So you're going to put yourself into a position below what you were living so far. So it's like a different uh, scenario. In order to uh, you know achieve what you have in mind, definitely you need to network, bring in a lot of people who've got industry expertise. So I can I can probably say my first mentor is definitely my father, my parents. Then from a business aspect, my mentors I've, I've got uh, Salma, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people. So uh, Vivek, uh, even my existing investors. So they are all my mentors. They have helped me remarkably in every stage of my business, starting from even developing a pitch deck or even fi finding product market fit or identifying the right customers or helping me get introductions to other investors. So in every sphere that you can think about, if you have the right person to help you out, it's going to uh, speed up your growth so far. I mean, there is only limited uh, time in this world and there is only limited way you can acquire all the knowledge by yourself. So speed it up, fuel it through others who can help you out, who share your vision. So yes, definitely I've got lots of mentors and Vivek and Selma have been with me for many, many years. And I'm really happy that they're uh, they my mentors, out of them. All right. Uh, so according to you, what are the loopholes in the current Indian uh, startup ecosystem? All right. So that's a very tricky question because uh, loopholes can be, uh, I mean, can be deduced in any way. So according to me, uh, startup ecosystem is evolving every day. Rapidly, it is changing, right? And one factor that I've identified is that timing plays a major role in any startup. So there was an instance where I had an idea of starting a security kind of a, a, a company, a device that would protect uh, people from, uh, you know, assaults, etc. So it was way ahead of my time. Introducing a parallel force with technology, a software and hardware was way, way ahead. And people like, whenever I shared this idea with investors, they were like, it went over their heads. So timing plays a major role. Uh, if you look at a few years back, 
uh, there were companies I and mean, investors were ready to invest in a SaaS kind of business uh, where recurring revenue was too high. Then later on, they started focusing on fintech and uh, you know gaming kind of uh, kind of startups. When the pandemic hit, edtech was the biggest thing. Everybody wanted to share yeah. in the edtech. Now edtech is crowded, and people are moving to HR tech, fintech, and agrotech, and all those things. So timing is a major role. And if you would like to really hack the ecosystem, startup ecosystem, watch the timing. So that's the only advice I can give. So approach somebody when the time is right. If you are either behind the time, it's going to pose a threat. If it is after that, you've already lost the share. So timing is the loophole that I can identify out of the many. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, moving on to the next next question. So what are the mistakes uh, a new entrepreneurs uh, make while starting up? Uh, you can share any real life experience that you have. Definitely. I mean, I can share, I can talk on and on for hours and hours <laughs> because I'm myself. I believe that uh, until and unless you fail, uh, you won't be able to cherish the sweetness of success. You know, so the failure is bitterness. And in order to cherish the sweetness, you need to fail because you've faced the bitterness over and over again. So failure is, I would say, it is part of my family. Every time I fail, and I am proud to say that because it's not just a stepping stone. It gives you a different perspective. So the common mistakes that I've made in my life and I would like to do, I advise others who are venturing into this not to make is do not... Think of a startup as somebody, something that would uh, get you rich very soon. It's not like a ticket to becoming rich. Uh, whenever you read about people, this person is worth so and so billion dollars. It's not actually in their bank account. It's just paper money that we're talking about. Right? It's a valuation of your company. Let's say my company is worth uh, 10 crores or 100 crores. If I have 40%, I would be a crorepati. But that doesn't mean I have money in my bank. I might still be a person who's still living in PM, using PN fund. Now having that for my breakfast. So do not have that kind of concept. Uh, entrepreneurship or starting a startup is not a ticket to getting rich anytime soon. So uh, initially when I started my first venture, that is Axelon Technologies, I had lots of things. Every time I used to use the calculator, okay, today I will have 100 people pay me 10,000 rupees. So in one month, I'll be having three crores in my hand. So, in, you know, I dreamt a lot, but nothing would happen in that way. So do not use that. That's my first advice. The second one is, start i mean coming up with an idea is brilliant but do not come up with an idea to get funded so that is another mistake whenever i interact with youngsters especially college graduates you know they come to me and say uh, you know i have a wonderful idea fantastic so what are your plans uh, i will launch it when I, as soon as i get funded i was like how do you launch something as soon as you get funded the idea stage funding is it's close to zero in india i mean can happen in uh, abroad, especially in U.S. Silicon Valley, but it's uh, in reality-wise, it is next to zero. So do not plan out or start something with the idea of getting funded initially. You prove it to the people that this is working. You have something solid. You're dedicating your life to it. You're ready to commit your next 10 or 15 years for it. Then understand the product market. That is your first few customers. That is called traction in business, right? So you show that traction and then you can scale. So do not do it the other way around. Use the funding to fuel your growth, not to start something. So that is one mistake I had. I mean, my first idea of venture was totally the other way around. Okay, funding grows, <laughs> then the company would just boom. So that is not the reality. And the third one is surround yourself with people who can help you out. That is uh, maybe somebody who's one step ahead of you or one step higher than you. There are lots of uh, leg pullers, I should call them as, especially friends, right? You know, similar, same age people, 
they always try to pull you off from your pocket say come on man you can do it later now come let's hang out let's go to this place let's go to a pub let's do this let's do that if you are serious about your startup do not fall for that so that doesn't mean that you should cut off all your friends which i did i did cut off all my friends and i can actually give you three or four names of my friends everybody is not in my circle at all because i'm that focused this is my life but i'm not advising anybody to do that or be as harsh as me but to an extent surround yourself with people who understands you that also includes your parents they might not understand you because in india you know a safety net is very important a stable career stable income is what every parents dream of this is something different this is so dynamic that you cannot predict what is going to happen tomorrow so there is this interesting saying in uh, business the rear view mirror is always clearer than the front view mirror or the front mirror so windshield right so you can always look back but the front the windshield is very blurred so that is very true you don't know what is going to happen the next minute from now onwards so surround yourself with people who can guide you in the right way take off all those viruses i would like to use the word virus because they kill you literally take off remove them from your life they are not required at all if you are very serious about your business so these are the few tips that i can share out of all the all the lessons i learned myself uh in the same context uh, i would like to understand your views like uh, in india the startup industry is uh, considered as very glamorous uh, like if you want to get rich start a startup and uh, yeah i would like to understand your views on this team i don't know how that uh, optics came to picture that is not really the true true case in reality uh, less than 1% or maybe i don't know 2% get funded uh, out of all the startups in the world and in india especially and out of all the startups just after a couple of years most of them die so the sustaining startup it takes time for that uh, it's like i mentioned earlier it's not a ticket to getting rich immediately that glamorous uh, figure or the glamorous news that we hear on all the social media it takes actually years and years of work uh, take any company that you've uh, you know heard about the funding alert that you get from most of the social media where this person has raised so and so million dollars they have underwent or they have gone through the worst of the worst of the worst it might be 2 years it might be even 5 years i have known companies that have started their fundraising after 7 years of hard work so the glamorous news comes up all comes out only after a certain stage the hardships that these founders have gone through is beyond imagination so even me i had to make certain decisions in my life to support my company uh, including attending a very close related funeral because i had a meeting with an investor so that choice the choice you make the surviving every day months and months of uh, living yourself without a salary so it's tough the good news happens at that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel if you believe in yourself but like i said the glamour part comes only after hard work and unfortunately that is only a phase that the audience or the the you know, people are seeing they're not looking at what happened behind it so when they get to know what is happening behind it they will have a different perspective of got it uh in the same context uh at what point in time does a founder know like if the right time to raise funds or look for the investors sure so that is a very interesting question because i myself had a different perspective few years back so the, the actually there is no right time to raise fund there is uh, fundraising has to happen when you can predict certain dynamics or certain a certain thing in your business for example growth you understood using your mvp or your present prototype you understood there is a huge potential 
and you need the money and external funding to fuel your growth. It could be product development, it could be expansion. Then that is the right time. And subsequent funding raise should happen when you can predict your zero cash day. So zero cash day is a term that is used when you run out of every penny in your bank account. And that is not the time that you should be thinking about raising. You should start planning at least six to seven months before itself, before you run out of money. So uh, investor money is actually a fuel to grow, but it shouldn't be the only source of growth for your business. So you should have proper traction, money, cash flow coming in and use the fund or the fundraising that you're planning to do to fuel your growth only. So the right time is when you can predict the zero cash date and start seven months or six months before that. And uh, if you believe you can use that fund to substantially scale up, that is the right time. But do not raise fund before you have a prototype or before you have a few traction in hand. Nobody's going to do that in India. It's just going to waste your energy uh, following people. Great. Uh, so how do you approach the angels or VC and decide which angel or VC is best for you? And how do you prepare... Uh, how do you overcome the nervousness associated with that? Okay, <laughs> so uh, I would like to categorize them as two uh, two people, angels and VC. So it's, I cannot club them together. The dynamics are totally different. So angels are either HNIs or high net worth people who've got extra money to invest in this specific asset class. For them, uh, what we need to think about while approaching them is that they're not, you know, they're not going to pump in, let's say, crows and crows probably 5 lakhs to 10 lakhs or maybe maximum 40 lakhs. That's it. So that's their hard-earned money. And they've got lots of conviction. And angels are the first few people to invest in you, believe in you, and trust your idea. So the the way you select or choose an angel investor plays a crucial role in your growth. So I would ideally suggest or choose or pick an angel investor who believes in my idea, who has got experience in the sector or the segment that I have in, and who can also provide value to my business in terms of not just mentoring, but through networks and the growth, who, who can contribute significant amount of time, who can consider my business is also his business, that kind of person, very hard to find, to be honest, but if you can find certain angels that fall under that particular criteria, that is the best way to do it. Then comes the VC part. So identifying the right VC is equal to identifying their conviction of the thesis that they've got. Every VC have got certain uh, focus areas, focus sectors or segments, and even stages of investment. So there is no use in going to a, you know, a, a growth stage VC, Series A, Series B VC, when you're still in a prototype stage. So you should be ideally focusing in an early stage VC. So go through their websites, go through the portfolio companies that uh, they've already invested in, uh, the kind of uh, work that they're doing. If you believe that you have the right, uh, you know, you fall under the right segment, Okay, you can kind of like shortlist them, but approaching them is a different story. You need to have, uh, I mean, unfortunately, cold email may not, not always work. So especially people uh, like me who do not have that great network when I started out, it was a very big challenge approaching VC. So it was mainly through cold emails and coming up with tricky clickbait kind of emails, you know, like telling them, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. Okay, kind of like subject line. You force them to open the mail and then you pitch your idea. So that I have, I have experimented with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of recipes to get the right attention. But yeah, the shortlisting the VC, the stage, the portfolio and the segment are the important key factors that you should look at. And if you have somebody to introduce you, it's, it's going to be very much easy for you. All right. Uh, moving on to 
a business type of question uh, what is your current sure. uh, team size and how do you manage them sure so uh, my team size consists of 180 people so out of that 160 are 155 to 60 are uh, trainers across in the remote team and then few permanent people around 25 including my co-founder and me so team management uh, it's a tricky uh, tricky thing because it's not like you know you are seeing 180 people under one roof they are all uh, distributed across right. india so you should use a mix of technology as well as respecting their time scheduling you should understand their emotion so it it has got psychology as well as technology as well as practical experience that is required it's a mixture of all three components so i predominantly manage through our uh, platform which we use for collaboration and uh, engagements would be done frequently you know because even though people say that working from home or work from home increases the productivity to an extent i don't believe in it uh, suddenly you get this electrician coming to your home helping you with fixing and you stop the work there and you go behind that because family commitments are there so uh, then you you lack on you lag behind your work you need to pile up so it's it's a big problem for many people so you need to keep on engaging them then this kind of uh, uh, you know kind of lethargy speaks into everybody's mind you know i can do it it's challenge it happens it goes on like that so should keep engaging them help them focus on and there are certain policies that you can set like right? like in my uh, company uh, we do not have a regular meeting that every day from 9 to 10 uh, or maybe one hour we do not conduct meetings because i believe that only if there is an important thing to share meetings are useless you're wasting somebody's productive time so until unless you have some important information no meetings at all but regular engagements not just work related but let's say a essay writing competition or an internal gaming competition so whenever they get a spare time so we bring that togetherness uh in them with frequent idea sharing whatever happens in the company we are transparent with everybody from the money that we earn till the expense is known to everybody even if they are not our permanent people permanent employees so that kind of transparency we build a strong work culture uh the internal branding that they should be they should know what is happening at inspira they should know what they are working towards the vision the customers that they're dealing with what value they are bringing onto the table so be transparent with them and the remote te- use the technology and a little bit of psychology and uh, you have a fantastic team that you can manage all right uh can you describe and outline your typical day all right uh, so my typical day i would say it would start somewhere around 8:30 to 9 a.m. uh then even if i i mean due to the lockdown still at home but if there is even before the lockdown i wouldn't reach my office until at least 12:30 or 1 pm because i would be working from home my home till then so from 9 after going through briefly the news and the updates especially startup news and economic trends all those things i straight away check my emails uh i'm i'm usually a person who do not like to waste time so i do multiple things at times you know one side there will be a, a some kind of a meeting happening or some kind of email that i'm reading then i would be having another work so i do multiple things i'm i'm very comfortable doing that my even my home setup is uh, customized to enable that multiple work so multitasking basically so it happens uh, right i'm mean, before pandemic or before the lockdown uh, i go to my office afternoon uh, do all the office errands the operations that that i need to take care of predominantly my work revolves around technology innovation uh, meetings with various operations team different uh, managers and guiding them 
but my sleeping time uh, or my actual productive working time is basically the night i am a basically a night owl so all the ideas would come to my mind only after 12 am midnight i don't know why so uh, i hardly hit bed uh, before 4 am so 4 am or 5 5 am i would be always online and my team would be like so when do you sleep so i don't i don't want to sleep you, know, you cannot sleep when you have a <laughs> yeah so uh, you cannot sleep when you have a brilliant idea to execute you know if i close my eyes okay i've got this i need to execute it i have to do it right now so that thrill is there and as long as you have that motivation it keeps going so my days like that 4 4 am i might hit the bed and 7:30 or 8 i wake up till 12 i do my initial business work hit the office do all the office work come back home again work uh whenever i get spare time i do a lot of reading i love to read books i love to learn read books in the sense not fiction but non fictional books related to my subject entrepreneurship self development and uh, i do watch a little bit of series also here and there but uh, hardly get time these days because it's a growth phase right cannot sleep cannot eat cannot do anything else but think of business uh yeah, that's yeah, my that my next question like uh, what's the business related or what's uh, what are the books that inspired you the most uh i i mean there are lots and lots of books that have inspired me i tend i am very picky when it comes to books but if i start reading a book i have to complete it also and i find time especially the later hours so few books that have really inspired me is uh, how to influence others it's by dale carnegie uh, then go getter it's a very good book for uh, approaching investors etc more uh, tuesdays with morris uh, lean startup uh all the branding kinds of books branding bible etc so yeah everything and anything that i can get hands on that could uh, help me out i read it so i do not have any specific favorite kind of book but yeah go getter is something that i would always recommend and a uh, first time entrepreneur it's really good and tuesdays with morris yeah that's great uh it was really uh, interesting to know your story rohit and thank you for taking out your time and hope to see you soon <laughs> Have a great day man. Bye bye.